It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 21st, 2020. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll break down the Orlando Magic's 111-96 to loss in Game 2 of their playoff series with the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk about what went right, what went horribly wrong, and perhaps a little bit of hope for the future. Also break down just kind of how this series is shaping up and and kind of the key factor that is already very clearly emerging, something that Steve Clifford certainly pointed to very early on in the process. But before we get into any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's podcasts here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the Milwaukee Bucks perspective on the, on their game two victory? Check out Locked On Bucks. They do a great job covering the Bucks. Uh, definitely a must listen during this series. You can no matter what te- what team it is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too. There's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic could not buy a bucket. Um, that's that's really the, the best place to start. Um, the, the Magic shot 12% in the first quarter. They had three field goals in the first quarter and found themselves in a hole from the very beginning. Um, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the show, but this is... Probably the biggest thing in the series. Um, playing from behind, playing from beh- from ahead. The Magic are going to find it very tough uh, to stay in this series if they have to make up a deficit. Because, as we know, the Magic offense isn't that great. Or statistically, it hasn't been, at least. And while they're certainly better than they were, perhaps in November or, or December, this is still a team that does not have a lot of shooting, that doesn't have a lot of creators, and has to find ways to score and score effectively. And as we've seen throughout the course of the season, that when this team is not scoring, their defensive attention to detail slips, as it naturally would. And here in a playoff series against a team as good as the Bucs, that can become fatal. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. It is important to start there because that is how the Magic dug themselves a hole. But something that is at least a slight positive, because there is no positive without winning in this in this time of year. What is at least a slight positive is the Magic never lost the fight. Yes, they made a ton of mistakes, and I think the Magic exited this game saying we made the mistakes. The Bucks took advantage of things that we did 
we are still very much in this series. This isn't like Toronto last year, where Toronto took it to them and dominated Game 2. Where the Magic had no chance to win Game 2. Where they were struggling to find anything positive to take away. Yes, Milwaukee reasserted their dominance. Yes, Milwaukee made some good adjustments defensively, especially guarding Nikola Vucevic. Early on in the game, essentially, the Bucks decided not to have Eric Bledsoe chase uh, Markel Fultz coming down the lane and stick to Vucevic to kind of take that uh, outlet out. You know, Milwaukee essentially said, okay, Orlando, we're going to make you shoot in the paint. We're going to make you take those floaters and runners that we want teams to take, that Brooke Lopez is so good at defending. That's how we're going to maintain our drop coverage and our base defense. We're not going to chase the guard down the screen because we're going to use him to cover the outlet, Nikola Vucevic. We're going to force you to either take that floater or kick it out to a guy that's being defended because, you know, they're, they, they weren't leaving the shooters. You know, again, why would they? That adjustment threw the magic off a little bit, and it took them a while to figure out how to attack it. But they slowly sort of did. Nikola Vucevic had another incredible game, scoring 16 of his 32 points in the third quarter. Single-handedly, sometimes, just carrying the Magic's offense. Orlando, in the first half, went seven minutes without a field goal. Luckily, they were getting to the line. It was the only thing really keeping them in the game, but eventually, even that kind of gave way. Milwaukee took as much as a 23-point lead in this one. Orlando always chasing, always trying to find a way back and never finding the shot-making or offensive consistency to get back. Credit goes to the Bucks' defense here. They're much more physical, disruptive, uh, and, and again, forcing Orlando to take the shots that they wanted them to take. If game one was the magic exposing and exploiting uh, a weakness in Milwaukee's defense, if game one was Orlando kind of finding the pockets in the Bucks defense that they will give up shots, that mid-range jumper, the three-pointer, the three-pointers to the center, especially. Milwaukee adjusted and forced Orlando to take their shots. And from there, Orlando just seemed off balance. I wouldn't say they were overwhelmed. I wouldn't say they were physically dominated. Orlando was was in this game. But they were just off balance. Shots were not taken, you know, sort of calmly and in rhythm. And certainly Orlando was frustrated and forcing some things to try and create some offense. And eventually, yes, the, the fouls caught up with Milwaukee, and Milwaukee fouled and put Orlando on the line plenty of times to keep Orlando in this game. But never truly in the game. Orlando cut the lead down to 12 at one point in the third quarter, only to see the lead expand back out. Milwaukee always had a run, just like Orlando always had a run in game one. But the biggest threat came midway through the fourth quarter. And maybe five, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Orlando had cut the lead to nine. Nikola Vucevic playing as confident as he has ever played, slamming in a putback jam to bring the magic within nine. And from there's all Giannis. The Magic blew some defensive coverages. Their defense was okay, I would say. They did some good things. You know, again, I, I think there's plenty to be confident and satisfied, not satisfied, but happy about as far as how this series projects forward from this game. But Giannis broke the defense. He got past the wall. He dunked the ball emphatically. And on the next possession, he found Brook Lopez open for three as, as Vucevic tried to crash down and, and stop a, a play at the, at the rim, which Vucevic has been good at in this series, by the way. Those five points brought the lead back out to 14, and that about did it. 
it is tough to play from behind in this league. And it's tough to play from behind against a team like Milwaukee. And unfortunately for the Magic, their start put them behind the eight ball. And while Orlando did its best to stay in the game and stay competitive and stay in the fight, which they certainly did, that is not enough in this series. And that is not enough against this Bucks team. The Milwaukee Bucks defeat the Orlando Magic 111-96 to even their playoff series at one apiece. And as I said, that start was everything. The same way the start of your morning is everything to you. So start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Download it today, the Axios Today podcast. And of course, time is always of the essence. We don't always have the time to cook the meal that we want to make because, you know, you have to go to public, you have to go to to, I said Publix. If Publix wants to sponsor this podcast, please do. Um, I, I could use some chicken figures or, or some pub subs. Um, but you have to go to the grocery market. You have to go buy all the ingredients. You have to make sure you have all the right things. You got to make sure you have the pots and pans and all that stuff. It's, you know, I, I like to cook. It's definitely enjoyable. It's, you know, definitely, definitely nice to say, hey, I made that and then devour it all in about five minutes because eating takes so much shorter than the cooking part. Not everyone has that kind of time and not everyone has that kind of patience. And that's why DoorDash is such a great, great app and a great option for you as you're preparing for your meals and enjoying your food because you should be enjoying food. DoorDash is the app that brings your food, the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. That's exciting. With more than 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door, and you will be supporting a local business, especially in this time of need. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. It's absolutely, absolutely important because we still all got to eat and DoorDash delivers the food to you. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the kind of show where I wish I had something more profound to say. I wish that I had a a bigger statement to make or some great insight to give you. Um, Something that would 
unlock this game and make you say, oh, so, so that's why the Magic lost. Or that's an interesting point. I, I didn't really think of it that way. This game was very cut and dry. You know, a game, not unlike a game you might see in the regular season where it's just, you know, you're through the monotony and it's like, okay, this is an outlier or something. It's, this game was pretty simple. The Magic missed shots and they lost. The game, the game can be that simple sometimes. It's, it's, it's about making and missing shots. I think I've told this story. Um, it, you know, I went to school at Northwestern and around the Northwestern basketball facility was the phrase, make shots. In fact, it was the uh, slogan on our, on our student section shirts my senior year. Because, you know, the story I was told at the time was uh, when the marketing department asked, hey, you know, do you want to put make shots on, on the shirts? The, the coach, Bill Car- the great Bill Carmody, said, yeah, that, that's kind of the point of the game. Obviously, shooting has been a bugaboo with this team all season long. Um, it is, And we'll get into the stats here uh, to close the show, but it is a little too simplistic to say that the Magic's issue was they didn't make shots. Um, you know, they didn't. They need to make shots. And, 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 and the long stretch they went without a field goal in the first quarter, in the first half, well, it's not so much the second quarter, the Magic still scored 30 points in the second quarter, but... The long stretch they went in that 13-point first quarter essentially decided the game. So I, I don't have any groundbreaking analysis. Yes, you know, the Magic's wall on Giannis could have been better. I thought Giannis did a much better job um, attacking it and dishing out to the perimeter, kind of sucking everyone in, being a little bit more of a decoy. Um, he didn't get a ton of assists in this game, but certainly his gravity and his impact was felt. Milwaukee was able to get open three-pointers, and their, their other guys, their bench players especially, who struggled so much in Game 1, dominated the game. Pat Connaughton hit five three-pointers. Kyle Korver had a nice stretch in the second quarter. He scored nine points in the game. Those guys, and Brooke Lopez had 20. Those guys won this game for Milwaukee uh, and made this game not just a, um, a win, but a comfortable win. In the same way that guys like Gary Clark and James Ennis and Wessa Wanu, uh, you know, made... Tuesday's win, game one, a comfortable win for the Magic. You know, so again, those guys are going to have a big factor in this series. You're, the, the, these teams are going to need those guys to step up. And in game one, Orlando's did. In game two, Milwaukee's did. But what really struck me, or, or what really comes to mind, is a key that I have pointed to, um, and, and certainly Steve Clifford, and maybe I'm taking my cues from Steve Clifford, but I, I do believe this too, is a key that I pointed to before both games one and two. So much of this series, and whether the Magic can compete in this series, is going to be determined in those first 12 minutes of the game. Since Steve Clifford has taken over as head coach of the Orlando Magic, he has had a very clear message to anyone who focuses only on the fourth quarter, who comes in with questions solely about the fourth quarter. He will often direct you to say, like, look, Fourth quarter is important. We're not denying that. But games aren't decided in the fourth quarter as much as you think. Games are often decided in those first 12 minutes. If you think that this is a fourth quarter league, Steve Clifford will tell you you could not be more wrong. Last year, the third quarters actually proved to be uh, very decisive for the Orlando Magic. They were one of the best third quarter teams in the league last year. And they used those third quarters and those third quarter runs to get back into games or to extend their leads. There's a huge part of that 22-9 run. If you go back and look at the stats, their third quarters were huge. This year has certainly been about first quarters. 
Leading and playing from ahead, especially in a series where you are the underdog, means everything. Look, the Bucks have one of the toughest defenses in the league. They're not the one of them. They have the toughest defense in the league. Their strategy makes it very tough to get quality baskets. Orlando scored just 24 points in the paint in this, in this game. They had only 33 in game one. You're scheming around the Bucks' ability to wall off the paint. And Brooke Lopez is a big part of that. Giannis Antetokounmpo, also a huge part of that with his ability to roam and, and block shots. Milwaukee is a disciplined and solid defensive team. And if you fall behind on them, if you're down 10 points at the end of the first quarter like the Magic were at the end of Game 2, it becomes very difficult to catch up to them. Think about how the Magic have played since the season restarted. Go back to that loss to the Indiana Pacers. They lost by 12. How did they get down by 12? They lost the first quarter. They gave up 40 points in the first quarter. They were down double digits after that first quarter. Orlando never caught up. They never got back into that game. They dug themselves a hole too deep to get out of. The same thing happened against the Toronto Raptors, and this game was very similar to that Raptors game in that sense, where the Magic couldn't score in the first quarter. They couldn't make shots. They fell behind by double digits. And while Orlando cut that deficit down to seven at one point, they never truly threatened in that game. They were always playing uphill. These are two very good defensive teams in the Pacers and the Raptors, and the Bucks, of course, lead the league in defensive rating. Trying to make a comeback, trying to come back on these teams, it's not that it can't be done. It's just very, very difficult. And you could see as the Magic were playing how they were trying to make up for that deficit throughout, throughout the whole contest. They were definitely pressing. Their shots were always a little bit off balance, a little bit hurried, a little bit like they were you know, trying so hard to get back in the game rather than kind of staying calm and playing their game. The fact of the matter is, the Magic don't have much of a margin for error in this series. The Bucks, they played okay. Not, you know, they, they certainly played better than they did in Game 1. Game 1 was a bad game for the Bucks, and, and, and most of the Bucks, Bucks fans agree, and most of the Bucks writers agree. Game 2... Milwaukee played significantly better, dictated the tempo in terms of the game. But I wouldn't call it a great Milwaukee Bucks game. I think I gave them a B in my grades post. They turned the ball over a lot. They missed a ton of shots themselves. I mean, Orlando kept themselves in it. To, to, to shoot 12% in the first quarter and be down by 13, it, it definitely felt like the Magic had lucked out a little bit. Um, it, it, you know, I, 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 think, I think I left that first quarter thinking... Yeah, Orlando's not getting shots. I, I thought their shot selection was okay. Um, I felt like they were stuck on one side too much. They weren't moving the ball effectively. They weren't getting getting better shots. They were getting okay shots, not better shots. Um, they were kind of playing into Milwaukee's hands a little bit. They weren't able to move. And Milwaukee's defense deserves a lot of credit. They were a lot more physical. They made some good adjustments. They played with more intensity. And Orlando didn't kind of rise up to that level or didn't match it or took them a long time to match it. Because eventually Orlando did. Now, Orlando's defense had some notable slips. Um, end of the first quarter, they slipped a little bit. Second quarter, they slipped a lot. Um, fourth quarter, they had some slippage. Um, but generally, the Magic played good defense. 
you know, they contested shots. They made effort. They made efforts. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not always second and third efforts, but they made the first effort. Struggled a little bit on the glass, but they were they were competing. The issue in this game was not for lack of effort, lack of discipline, perhaps lack of precision. They're not. They weren't as in tune with the game plan as they were in game one. They didn't execute as well. But it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of intention. But it's hard to put all those pieces together, to tie that rope together when you're playing from behind the entire way. When you don't get off to the good start. I've been using the old golf adage, the old PGA Tour adage, um, in describing how this series is playing out for the Orlando Magic. You can't win a golf tournament in the first round on the third on Thursday. You can't win a golf tournament in the first 18 holes. But you can lose it. You can put yourself down so much and put yourself behind the leader so much that not even Tiger Woods in the early 2000s can come back from it. And that's what these first quarters are. The magic cannot trail by this much. And if their offense isn't working, that means they got to double their efforts on defense. And that's a tough thing to do. I mean, Clifford will even admit that when shots aren't falling, it's hard to keep your defensive focus. And again, kudos to the Magic. This could have been a game they could have let go of the rope and said, we'll get him next time. But no. And I actually think this is an incredible sign of growth from last year where game two, the Magic did let go of that rope and they did get blown out and beat up by the Raptors uh, on the road in game two after their game one win. This Magic team fought to the very end. Milwaukee, you know, Giannis had to make some incredible plays to put this game away, to end any hopes of the Magic coming back. Orlando never folded. Orlando never quit. They weren't perfect, but they scrapped. And, you know, that doesn't count for anything except the confidence that, okay, if they can tighten up their execution, get off to a better start, you know, play with a little more intensity and fire, to start game one, game three, they at least have a chance to win. And that's honestly all you can ask for at this point. You know, I, I'm leaving game two feeling that little bit of confidence, to be honest. But again, when game three starts, one o'clock on Saturday, those first 12 minutes are going to tell the story. They told the story in game one. Orlando took a 10-point lead. They shot 60%, 62.6%, I believe, in the first quarter. They hit five of 11 three-pointers. That set the tone for the entire game. Orlando believed. Orlando believed that they could win that game, that they could win this series from the tip. Winning those first 12 minutes the way they did confirmed that belief. Confirmed that they could take that step, that they could win that game. So when you shoot 12% in the first quarter, go one for seven from deep, makes it tough to believe. It makes it tougher to get that confirmation, to be in that game. It's not impossible. You keep fighting, you keep grinding, you keep searching for a way. But it's a lot tougher. And so when game three comes around, those first 12 minutes will be everything. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as we do after every game, let's roll through the final box score for you. The Orlando Magic again falling to the Milwaukee Bucks, one eleven to ninety six. The season or the playoff series now tied at one apiece. The star of the game, undoubtedly for the Orlando Magic, Nikola Vucevic, back to back thirty point games, joining, uh, becoming the fifth player and joining the elite list of Orlando Magic players with back to back thirty point games. We're talking Shaq, Dwight, Penny, T Mac. Um, he has the chance now to become. Just the third player in Magic history joining T-Mac and Penny as the only players with three straight 30-point playoff games. So, Nikola Vucevic in some elite company. He's playing some very good basketball. 32 points, 13 for 23 shooting, 2 for 8 from beyond the arc, 10 rebounds, 2 assists against 3 turnovers. Um, there's there's not a lot I can say about Nikola Vucevic. Yes, you know sometimes he still misses some of those bunnies that he needs to make, and he's getting the ball in such big spots, but... He, he was the only one that could score in this game. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt like when he came out of the game late in the first quarter that it was just like, you got to get him back in there. The, like, the offense is the problem. You've got to play Nikola Vucevic. Um, and it's, it's going to get really, really hard to leave him off the floor. And again, it's not that Kim Birch is playing poorly. Kim Birch is actually playing pretty well. Uh, and the Magic have tried to play them both at the same time uh, first for limited stretches anyway with the depth issues that they're having with Aaron Gordon out. Um, but Vucevic is playing some really good basketball right now. And it's not just his offense. Uh, I do think his defense deserves to be pointed out. He is in the right spot. I mean, he's playing defense like he did last season, um, where he was in the right spot consistently. He was using, he's using his hands to deflect shot, to deflect passes and, 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 and ward people out of the lane. Um, he's challenging shots really, really effectively. He's being very crafty with, with when he reaches in and when he goes for blocks and, and goes for swipes and steals. Um, it's, it's been a very strong... I mean, obviously, the last two games have been fantastic from Vucevic, but Vucevic has really taken his game up to a playoff level. He is... You can tell that he, he is taking this moment very, very seriously uh, and, and wants to deliver. And frankly, I, I thought I think that he had a great answer when he was asked about his individual performance and about joining that exclusive club. And he says, like, look... Essentially said, look, at this point, it doesn't matter. The wins are all that matter. So I, I think Vucevic... You know, I think he learned a lot from last season's playoff. He's letting the game come to him. He's not rushing. He's not, you know, pressing things, but he's making sure he gets his, and he's making sure that he's making the right decisions, and as a star should, controlling the pace of the game. Um, he wants to get others involved. He obviously can't do it all by himself. Um, the Bucks are putting a lot of defensive focus and attention on him, but when he has the ball, good things are happening. Uh, you know, I would expect that the Magic will run a little bit more offense through him in the high post. Um, I think we will see a lot more kind of those dribble handoff actions, which the Bucks defended very well, by the way, in this game. Um, but I think we might see a little bit fewer pick and roll and pick and pop. You know, th- those will still be a staple. But I think the Bucks are, are, are defending that really, really well. And the Magic have to have the ball in Vucevic's hands as a, as a lever within the offense. So I think that we will continue to see Vucevic handling the ball. He's got to get this turn, the turnovers down. He's, he's got to find a way to get the assists up and, and keep the ball moving. But um, are really, again, just if everyone else, you know, frankly, everyone else kind of stunk in this game. Nikola Vucevic is the reason the Magic had any hope of winning it. Again, 16 of 32 points in the third quarter. Got the Magic back in this game and really gave them a chance to win. The guys, though, that did struggle, and there were a lot of them. Terrence Ross, 12 points, 4 for 14, shooting 2 for 7 from beyond the arc. 
just seemed very out of rhythm. Um, I do like that Ross is cutting his uh, cuts a little more shallow. Um, he is going into the space the Bucks are giving him. He's not settling for that three-pointer, so I think that's a good thing. But, you know, I say this about Terrence Ross. I say this about Evan Fournier all the time. We'll talk about Evan here in a bit. Um, it's about making shots. They got to make shots. Um, their role out there is to score, and when they're not scoring, when they're not hitting three-pointers, this team is going to struggle. I mean, Evan Fournier... 12 points, 4 for 13 shooting, 1 for 6 from beyond the arc. He has not been right since the season restarted. Um, I, I think the Magic have to trust him, obviously. And, and you know, I think Steve Clifford brought up a really good point about both Ross and Fournier. They both missed an entire week of basketball um, with, you know, Evan Fournier with the illness. He really couldn't do anything except watch practice. And then Terrence Ross having to leave the, leave the campus and, and go through the quarantine they're still getting themselves back in rhythm. It, you know, Fournier obviously hit those three big threes uh, in the fourth quarter of game one. I still, you know, I, I, I know I'm kind of on Fournier Island here. Um, I still have faith in Fournier that, that, that he will get back closer to his normal numbers. I don't think he'll get completely there. Um, and, and again, I, I think guys who make progress in the campus, I think that's real. Guys who regress in the campus, I, you know, this might be a cop-out. I don't think that's completely real. I, I don't know how much to believe of stuff I've seen in the campus, to be perfectly honest, um, just because it's just so such an outlier and such so unreal. So I, I'm not writing off Fournier because of a poor playoff performance. I, I think there are extenuating circumstances. But certainly if the Magic want to win, they need Evan Fournier. Um, and I don't think there's any other options. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a guy on the bench that the Magic can turn to to replace what Fournier potentially gives them. So, you know... The Magic need both Fournier and Ross to shoot better from three. Um, Ross going two for seven, Fournier going one for six. They can't be three for 13 and expect to win games, especially uh, in this setting and against this team. So Orlando's got to get more from those guys. Um, they got to find ways to contribute like Ross did in game one, where you're cutting to the basket, where you're scoring a little bit more in the mid-range to kind of open up that three-point shooting. So tough game for the Magic's two big shooters. Gary Clark also struggled. Three points, seven rebounds, one for five shooting, all, all from beyond the arc. Again, I, I, I think Clark... Clark Clark hit threes in game one, and and that you know made his game a lot better. You know he did a good job on Giannis. I thought he did a good job on Giannis again in this game, all things considered. Um, but definitely not his game. Um, you know he's such a streaky shooter. Uh, you know I, I I do think the Magic. This was a game where the Magic needed Aaron Gordon. You know another playmaker, another guy who can dish the ball a little bit. Um, another guy who can who's just a little bit more of a threat to score uh, and create. Um, you know he's not as he's not as good of a shooter as Clark is, um, at least statistically, but. Gordon's a threat from beyond the arc still, and so I think, I think this was a game that you know very clearly the Magic needed Aaron Gordon. He can defend Giannis a little bit better one on one, you know, so they don't have to help as much off the shooters. And I think that played a huge role. So you know, Gary Clark's doing what he can. I think Magic are very happy with him, but obviously a, a rough game. Rough game for the Magic's point guards too. Markel Fultz, eleven points, five fouls, four for eleven shooting, just three assists on the game. Uh, Fultz, I just. I, I think, again, and I don't want to, you know, again, it's just, it's my same deal. I, I think regressions in the in the bubble, you can't completely believe. You can't ignore them, but you can't completely believe them. Fultz is, I think, very clearly still working his way back into into the game. He, he played only 20, he played only 25-51 in this game, so about 26 minutes. He's not playing his full complement of minutes, and, and I think because he came to the campus so late, you know, he just he just wasn't quite in game shape. I think the Magic know. I think the Magic essentially are gambling a little bit, um, saying, you know, we know Fultz can't play the full minutes that you would expect a starter to play yet, um, for whatever reason. But, um, but we're going to gamble. We're going to bet 
that if he's playing well, he gives us more than he would coming off the bench or than, than DJ Augustine would starting with that group. You know, I, I think this series would be very different for a number of reasons, but I think this series would be very different if we're playing this in April where Markel Fultz was playing with confidence, playing with kind of swagger and, and swerve. He doesn't quite have that. And, and, and you can kind of tell early when he does. Um, the pace, the pace went early in the game was just off. Um, and I think Fultz, Fultz has a huge responsibility as a point guard. Um, you know, certainly as a guy that plays at a faster pace than the guys around him. Um, you know, Vooch is not a fast-paced player. Evan is not a fast-paced player. Um, he gets those guys to that pace that that they're ultimately the best at. I, I, I don't think, you know, I think there's, the, you know, I think fans sense that there's a little bit of friction in how the Magic want to play and how the Magic actually play and how their players are, are, are comfortable playing. And Fultz kind of pushes them past that comfort zone and, and when he's on, really controls the tempo uh, and, and where everyone is. And he, he's just not doing it right now, um, you know, or it's not consistent enough. Um, he did it really well in game one. Um, you know, getting off to a good start, making those jumpers, um, really, really helped. He didn't make jumpers early on. Didn't seem super into. You know, again, not, I don't want to say like say it that way, but he didn't seem as kind of energetic and 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 full of pace that that he usually is. DJ Augustine, ten points, all from the foul line, zero for five shooting, five assists. Again, he's another guy that's got to make threes for the Magic to have any success. Did a good job getting himself to the line that really kept the Magic alive in the second quarter, especially Orlando shooting 27-31 from the foul line. Um, but again, the, the Magic just need more from their point guards. They need them to be, make smarter rim decisions. Um, this was not a good rim decision game. Uh, the, the, the Bucks drew them into the paint, forced them to take flo- floaters and runners, and, and that's going to get the Magic in trouble. they got to find a way to engage a second defender to find that outlet, to find a second guy in the Bucks again. Bucks did a really good job cutting off that outlet. It was it was a good defensive game plan from Milwaukee that they executed very, very well. Um, no other real performances of note besides those guys. Orlando shoots 34.8% from the floor, so okay, they, they, they did get a little bit better. 7 for 33 from beyond the arc, 27 of 31 from the foul line. Good development to get to the foul line. They turned the ball over 11 times, um, which again, keeping those turnovers down is a big factor in this series. The Bucks, however, shoot 47.2% from the floor. They're led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. 28 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, but 10 for 23 shooting and 7 turnovers. Again, Orlando only sending him to the line 8 times. This guy that averages 10, 12, you know, 13 free throws per game. So Orlando's, you know, honestly, yes, Giannis had 28 points. He made some great plays, some fantastic plays at the end of the game that put this one away. Orlando's doing a good job on Giannis. Um, I, I do believe that. Um, you know, they, they didn't wall up as effectively in this game um, as they did in game one, and, and that got him a little bit closer to the basket. That got him some easier baskets. But overall, you know, I think Orlando's making him think and making him, uh, you know, play not so much on instinct and not so much on just kind of straight line drives of the basket. They're making him work for these points. So, um, I, 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 and again, the Magic's defense wasn't as good in game two as it was in game one on Giannis, even though he scored fewer points. Um, I think that the I think when Aaron Gordon comes back, if the Magic can keep this defensive intensity and defensive focus on Giannis, things will be better. But they got to do a better job getting out to shooters. Um, uh, Eric Bledsoe had a good game, thirteen point six for twelve shooting. Just kind of used his size, I think, and, and hit those mid range jumpers that the Magic were willing to give up. Um, the Magic duck under screens on Bledsoe the same way that the Bucks are ducking under screens on faults. Bledsoe made the pay this time, so you you, you live with that. What you can't live with was Dante DiVincenzo going 11 points, 4 for 9 shooting, including two offensive rebounds. He had a couple putbacks. Can't live with Pat Connaughton going 5 for 8 from beyond the arc for 15 points. Had a very Gary Clark-like game. 
or Kyle Korver scoring nine off the bench. Those are the those are the points that you cannot give up. Those are the shots that you cannot give up. And you know, again, those guys won the game. That 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 that's what kind of created the difference for the Bucks and, and created the large deficit that the Magic struggled to get themselves out of. Again, the Bucks shoot forty seven point two percent from the floor, fifteen to forty one from beyond the arc. So a big three point difference there. They turned the ball over twenty times. Again, this is a sign of optimism. The Magic defense did do some good things. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good as it was in Game One. But they did do some good things. The Bucks still played pretty sloppy and pretty kind of lackadaisical at times. They were more intense. They were, they're, you know, certainly more ready to play. But this should draw the stark difference between the Bucks and the Magic right now. The Bucks can make the, these kinds of mistakes, make twenty turnovers, and still have a good chance to win. The Magic cannot make those mistakes. They've got to make shots. They got to do all these, all the, you know, the, all these six or seven things. You know, they probably got to do five or six of six or seven things to have a chance to win. Bucks, you know, they probably have four or five things they need to do. If they do two of them really well, they'll have a good chance of winning. That's that's the difference between these two teams. And, you know, Giannis, frankly, has a lot to do with that. The Milwaukee Bucks, again, defeat the Orlando Magic 111-96. to Game three is Saturday at 1 p.m. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr__md. Find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. We'll be taking tomorrow off, but we will have an episode for you in your inbox on Sunday, breaking down Game 3. We're in playoff mode, so we are going on the weekend, so we'll have a podcast for you. Uh, it's probably Sunday morning, um, uh, breaking down Game 3, heading into Game 4 on Monday. But that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.